0: This week on Moms Moving On,
1: it's not just about the ex-partner that we're with, but we can even go further back. We can go back to what happened growing up for us. What were we experiencing in our parenting relationships and our early childhood experiences? I like to ask the, the women I work with, "What did you learn about relationships watching your parents? What did you learn about emotions from your parents?" A lot of people will say, "I didn't learn anything watching them," or "I learned that." one parent got angry and the other one walked out or that there wasn't any space for my needs I didn't get to share anything or when I did it was dismissed I was told it's fine move on and so we take these early messages with us and we repeat them all the
0: time life moves on so why shouldn't we this is Michelle Dempsey Moltak, your host of Moms Moving On, navigating divorce, co-parenting, single motherhood, and moving on. Hello, ladies and possibly some gents. We are back with another Moms Moving On, and this time we're doing like a return the favor kind of thing. I was on this lovely ladies' podcast a while ago. And now she's with me. We have Dr. Tracy Doglish here with us today. She's phenomenal. You may already follow her on social media, but if you don't, you should. She's a clinical psychologist and couples therapist, and she helps women and mothers build healthy relationships and learn to be their best selves by helping them let go of guilt, communicate their needs, and set boundaries in their lives. I love that. You know, I'm all about healthy boundaries and helping women grow. Tracy, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you, Michelle. It is so nice to sit with you again. Our last session together over on, on my podcast space just left me so inspired and with chills, and I'm so glad that we get to do this again.
0: Really? well, thank. Thank you. I have no doubt that I will feel the same way after our conversation today. <laughs> now, you and I went back and forth a little bit on what it is we should be talking about. And I think we've we've landed on the best possible topic for so many of my listeners. But before we get to that, why don't you give us a little background about you and how you got into this space?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, as you've already mentioned, I'm a psychologist. So I'm here in Ottawa. And oh, my goodness, how far back do I go? This is like the elevator speech that I always struggle with. I am a mom of two. I have two young children at home. And I like to say that having children has been one of the hardest things that I've ever had to do. My PhD could not have prepared me for this journey. And I remember sitting in the basement, nursing my second, and just feeling really dissatisfied with the information that was being put out into the public. So the information that was outside of my therapy room. And it was that like cold and stormy winter day where I thought, I'm going to create an Instagram account. I'm going to start sharing my information, my clinical experience with the world. And so now three years later, I have a podcast, I have an Instagram community, an online program where I'm teaching women how to improve their relationship. So these are people who are not able to access me inside of my therapy room, either because of time, location, their partner is not ready to go to therapy. And so I get the opportunity to reach more women through this work that I'm doing.
0: Well, you know that I'm a huge fan of your work and I, and I think it's so critical and there's such a need. And I love that we are in this space now where we're normalizing challenges and relationships and working through them and working on ourselves. And because you're on Instagram, you know, that this whole like toxic word is trending, right? Everything is get rid of the toxicity. Don't be toxic. Learn about your most toxic traits. But something happens after a divorce where, yes, women absolutely want to heal and become their best selves. But what they really need help with as they ask themselves the age old question of will I die alone is how to break that toxic relationship cycle.
1: Mm-hmm. It's
0: so easy. And I can speak from experience to get into a toxic relationship after getting out of one because it's what feels so familiar, right? Right.
1: Yes, that familiarity is what draws us in, right? And oftentimes what I see happening is we don't have this awareness of what it is that's going on. And sometimes what can happen is we focus so much on the other person, right? We left that relationship because the other person was so toxic. Okay, but we also need to go inwards and say, how did I show up in this space? What, what did I do or what did I not do? You know, I'm thinking of maybe someone who is more pleasing or minimizes their needs and not make space for them. In that relationship, or it's not healthy to do so. But without doing that understanding that work there, then we show up into our next relationship, whether it's a romantic partner or an ongoing relationship with our children or even with family and friends. And we've got that. I always use the analogy of it's like, um a suitcase that we've just continued to carry with us. And we like plop it down right in front of us, but we never, and actually I think you use the analogy of a suitcase in, in my episode as well. It's like my, my classic analogy for this is we've got this suitcase and it's just all of this stuff in there that
0: we continue to repeat throughout relationships. And, you know, it, it makes me laugh because I guess I probably have said this a time or two when women, Say, oh, there's no good men out there. They're all assholes. Mm-hmm. Well, if that were the case, how did how do some women find these great guys that we say, wow, right. you have the best guy, you know? And and it all starts internally, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And if we think of
1: this, like where does that old stuff come from? It's not just about the ex-partner that we're with, but we can even go further back. We can go back to what happened growing up for us. What were we experiencing in our parenting relationships in our early childhood experiences? I like to ask the, the women I work with, what did you learn about relationships watching your parents? What did you learn about emotions from your parents? A lot of people will say, I didn't learn Anything watching them, or I learned that one parent got angry and the other one walked out, or that there wasn't any space for my needs. I didn't get to share anything, or when I did, it was dismissed. I was told, it's fine, move on. And so we take these early messages with us and we repeat them all the time.
0: Oh my God, you're like really just describing my whole life. And it was, it was really, I was the classic example of taking all that unhealed junk, throwing it all in a suitcase and just toting it around wherever I went and being like, here, person okay. that I'm dating, unpack this for me. And I, it was when I was at my most toxic in my relationship with my ex-husband that I realized he, he was not the only one to blame. And, and also, I could no longer do this anymore. I had to break the cycle. So where does breaking the cycle start?
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, I think first we need to bring awareness to what it is that's happening. I think that is so important. And that means we have to stop looking outwards. We have to go inwards. So what is it that's happening? What am I doing here? What are my feelings and needs that are showing up? This is a huge piece of going inwards. And then I like to talk about, well, let's let's identify what kind of cycles are coming up in relationships. So we know from the research and the work by Dr. Sue Johnson, She create, she's the co-creator, of emotionally focused couples therapy. We know there are three common patterns that we see show up between partners and we, we often repeat them. Actually, what I see happen is you'll have a part, you'll have a pattern with a loved one. You'll have a pattern with a parent. They're all ways of interacting and in different dynamics that show up. So three common ones. Uh, she talks about them as the first one being find the bad guy. And this is where partners are trying anything to get each other's attention. And it's like, they're upping the ante, right? One partner will say you didn't do the dishes and the other one's like oh yeah well maybe if you weren't so lazy then I'd be willing to help out right they're continuously upping the ante and at the core of that partners are just trying to get the attention of each Mm -hmm. other that's one cycle. The second one that tends to show up is this pursue-withdraw cycle where one partner is pursuing and reaching for connection and closeness, but they do this in a way that ups the ante. So there, there's kind of the analogy of like they're knocking on the door, like, hello, do you hear me? I need you to hear me. Can you just open the door? And the other partner shuts down, withdraws, they don't open the door.
0: That was my cycle, yes. Mm-hmm. I'm aware it,
1: <laughs> it's a it's one of the most common cycles that show up, um, and I don't know about for you, Michelle, but what tends to happen is about eighty percent of that when couples show up in my office, eighty percent is where the women is the more pursuing partner, mm-hmm. and the male partner in heterosexual relationships is more of the distancing and withdrawing partner. Mm-hmm. And we can look at that in several ways. One is attachment styles. So a we know from research that it's attachment y- over here, yeah. In in general, the pursuing partner tends to be more anxious and that anxiety is higher for women and the avoidance is higher for men. We could look at that from a societal perspective where, you know, we have for years taught men to shut down their emotions and not to share them and to only go into frustration and anger rather than sharing pain and sadness and looking for connection and closeness. So what I like to remind people about these cycles is that there are always this, this core part about ourselves if we were to go from the upstairs stuff which is the dishes the kids um time together we're we're, if we go downstairs into the core of this we see these softer emotions that show up Mm -hmm. these emotions like longing for connection or rather emotions that attachment needs longing for connection am i good enough do you love me am i lovable am i worthy to spend time with And then the third one is this freeze and flee pattern. Now this is a pattern where both partners tend to shut down. And when I see them in my office, they tend to look, they almost kind of like glance over at each other. They don't quite, um, they don't quite connect and look at each other. They'll say things like, no, we don't, we don't fight at home. And then when I asked them, so did you guys talk about this issue that we brought up last time? No, no, no. We, we don't want to do that. You know, don't rock the boat. We'll save that for here. They tend mm-hmm. to shut down their feelings and needs when underneath that, there is a fear that perhaps they're not worthy or not lovable and they are anxious to know how the other person is doing. So that's that third pattern that
0: tends to show up. So how do you know when you are at your most vulnerable? You know, I, I was just having this conversation on a different podcast where so many women like there's this theme right now where women are leaving relationships that ended up being toxic because their spouse had either traits that could fit them into a personality disorder diagnosis or were just really difficult to deal with. Then you come out and you're so vulnerable, right? And, and you're like, will I be lovable again and love me? And then you finally, you know, find somebody And you think it's working out and then bam, you realize it was the same thing. What are some signs to look out for to make sure that a, you're not buying into the same bullshit all over again, but that you are, you have looked enough within before you go out and seek somebody. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So that work afterwards then is how am I learning to connect with that secure part of myself? So do I feel good about myself? Do I feel good about myself, even though I'm not with somebody else? So I'm not depending on someone else to give me that sense of self-worth to fill up my bucket. Um, can I spend time alone? Have I nurtured my identity? Am I doing things that make me feel good? Do I trust that I'm worthy and I have something to contribute in the world? So that's kind of that self-work. And then I think one of the biggest things we can look at is, do, do I change when I'm with someone else? That's a so do I
0: question. Yeah, because so many of us have been known to lose ourselves to relationships.
1: Absolutely right. So, do in some ways do I change? And, and here's the thing, I, I mean. We do, right? We we want to be bonded with somebody else, but are we bonded with someone that we can grow and connect with? Or are we going into ways that don't feel good for us? I can remember I had started my PhD and it was such a vulnerable time. I was 22. I just moved to the city. So I was further from my family and I had met a guy and I thought, oh, okay, this guy, oh, he's great. So exciting. And I kept pursuing him and pursuing him. But the whole time I doubted myself in that space. And yet, in other spaces in my world, I wasn't someone who doubted myself so much. I didn't feel worthy. I felt like I had to give up things that I liked. I was trying to present myself in a certain way. Right. And part of me is like, okay, well, you were 22, you're still learning. But at the same time, no matter how old you are, when we do that, there's something happening in that dynamic between us. And with some work within myself in that year, I was able to see, actually, you know what? This person is really avoidant and they don't want to connect with me deeply. And they're kind of like carrying me along. And I was changing. So I had to recognize that wasn't
0: a good space to be in. So do I Amazing. change? Amazing for you to be able to do that at 22. Like It took me a long time to get to that space, but good for you.
1: I have to admit that I was the in that I came to that realization because I volunteered myself to practice being the patient in one of our oh, modules. Okay. For school. Really and I remember ready. leaving okay. the module and saying, "Oh, okay, I get it." So it was it was like a pseudo therapy session that I was able to gain that insight. But it. Uh, it's tough. It's really hard to see those cycles that come
0: up. I think, I think for me, especially, it was hard for me to see it until it really blew up in my face. And I got to a place that I never wanted to be in, which was getting divorced after having been the child of divorce. And mm-hmm. I hear from so many women that they are that much more committed to changing right. to avoid ever being at that place again, which is fantastic. Um, but then, of course, I'm always hearing from people who are like, you're not going to believe it. It turned out to be just like my ex. And I'm like, no, I, I believe it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, isn't life this uh, challenging space of growing and learning? Right. Like, I, I really like to come at that as a space of compassion for ourselves that we, are human of course it makes sense that we repeat these patterns because as we started out saying it's familiar it's comfortable you know we all long to be connected to somebody so it, it makes sense to repeat that and i think approaching that instead of from that kind of critical harsh voice of okay well i'm repeating this again it's more helpful to kind of see that critical part and then bring in kindness and say grace. yeah
0: give yourself grace i mean that awareness is key mm-hmm. and it's the start of change, I believe. Hey guys, Michelle here with a word from one of our sponsors. The SoberLink system is designed to make parenting time safer with real time remote alcohol monitoring. SoberLink uniquely combines breathalyzer with wireless connectivity and is the only system that includes facial recognition, tamper detection, and advanced reporting. Parents can submit a test anytime, anywhere, thanks to Soberlink's wireless technology, which delivers test results by text message or email to the concerned parties. Simplify co-parenting arrangements by using the system that provides transparency and proof of sobriety throughout the day. Flexible schedules combined with real-time delivery results make Soberlink the experts in remote alcohol monitoring technology. For a limited time, get $50 off your device by emailing info at soberlink.com and mentioning Moms Moving On. Drive safe. Wait, 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 wait. Before we do anything, I have to ask, have you not joined the Moms Moving On membership community yet? This is the place I created for anybody looking for the benefits of coaching without having to commit to a high coaching fee. I've rounded up my go-to experts to put together curated content just for you, including free monthly webinars with me, self-confidence boosters, co-parenting tips and strategies, heartbreak advice, divorce anxiety relief, legal advice from top U.S. attorneys and mediators, financial advice, ebooks to help you on your journey, journal prompts and worksheets, discounts for all my favorite brands, the list goes on and on and on, and all of this at only $9.99 a month. Yep, you heard that right, $9.99 a month to be connected to women all over the world who are going through exactly what you're going through and to connect with me. Go to momsmovingon.com slash become a member and join us today. Now I'm wondering, is there a direct correlation or have you seen a correlation between someone repeating unhealthy relationship patterns and jumping into a new relationship too quickly? Mm, That's a good one. I don't know the research on that. The question that I get is always, how soon can I start dating?
1: And, and that the response to that is really it depends. It depends on where you are. It depends on how long that last relationship was. It depends on what kinds of things unfolded in that relationship. So are you doing that work in between? Are you allowing yourself to fully grieve what's happened and what you're learning before entering into another space? And again, I think the question there is asking yourself, what's the function of this? What is driving me to want to get into a relationship so quickly? Is it that I'm anxious? Is -hmm. it that I feel overwhelmed when I spend time?
0: Yes, right.
1: Yeah. And like, you know, what is it about you that doesn't want to spend time by yourself? And that I think what we're starting to talk about here is this idea. And I I don't, love I don't love the terms that we throw around because terms often box people in without contextualizing so I'm like holding a box here right but that it misses the contextualization of life so terms like gaslighting and manipulation and codependency like I tend to stay away from them because they don't
0: those are the hot right now yeah
1: Right, They're very hot terms. But so I think what we're kind of talking about here is that kind of fusion with another person. I'm putting one hand on top of the other, that fusion of when I'm with someone, I feel okay. But that is short-term, that's short-lived because what we actually know is that fusion ends up creating further distance in a relationship that the other person will say, I distance myself from you because you're so close. So let's think of an example. You know, I can think of one member in my online program, Be Connected, where she didn't want to share her own feelings and needs. Um, She didn't want to upset her partner. And again, so that's that fuse space, right? If If I share something, they'll be upset with me. And we had to really work through and again, this is someone who had a previous relationship where they were not able to share their feelings. The other person was highly critical. Um, so she couldn't ask for her needs to be met. But so she learned then, okay, if I share myself, I can be a separate individual. And oh, what a surprise. My partner actually wants to hear this from me and mm-hmm. doesn't respond to me in the same way that's, that my ex did.
0: Oh, that, is, that is the best. when you. That's the moment when you realize, okay, I may have broken a pattern here. And thank yes. goodness for that. But what are some ways that you would advise women who are moving on to sort of like look back and take inventory of their relationships and and highlight what they need to avoid? Mm, That's a good question. So, and to highlight what they need to avoid. You know, people always say, don't look back, but I'm a big believer in looking back to see- Oh yeah. to, to, To see what you've learned and how far you've come and what can we take from this experience and make sure that we're not- going to relive it again
1: uh uh-huh. uh what patterns was i repeating what what kept showing up in my relationship so what you could do is you could actually do sort of um a life history and kind of look at significant events that happened in different time points in your life and look at kind of is there a theme in there is there a theme of my feelings and what i needed and what i did with that right so if i needed love and comfort what did i do you know, if we go back to that people pleasing or caregiving, okay, well, I put on that caregiving role. Okay. So did I do that again in my last relationship? So really starting there would be a great piece because then we can start to identify triggers. And then the trigger for someone might be, if I can't care for my partner, if I go with that theme, I can't care for my partner and I have to say, no, Ooh, that feels really uncomfortable. I'm just going to put my stuff in the back burner and I'll just keep caring for you and putting your stuff 1st Right? So what are your triggers? What triggers you to go into these patterns for yourself? Um, And then also, I, I, I always love the question of how does this serve me? Right? Like we, we do things for a really good reason. Protection, safety, emotional safety, closeness and comfort. So what is this behavior serving me when I do this in a relationship? That can be such a good question to ask. And then also starting to I, I believe in being able to write things down to make it concrete. Stuff just floating around in our mind just floats and passes by. Can we write down how we want to
0: show up differently?
1: What are we working on? Is it about something like holding boundaries? And boundaries, I know it's a buzzword, but let's just say, for example,
0: you know, You've covered like every buzzword in this episode. Toxic, codependent. <laughs> um boundary there was a few others but yes another buzzword we need yes
1: to another one okay but so the boundary let's say the boundary is something about myself it's a need that i have if i want to say it in some other way it's a need so what that could be say you go to yoga every thursday night at eight then you get into a into a relationship and then you start to say oh and i won't go to yoga today i'll just go to your house that's fine so could you identify those things that you're not going to give up in service of somebody else, things that nurture you and your independence, because ultimately we want to be, we want to have our autonomy. That's exciting. That's what partners are drawn to, that autonomy is something about yourself. But then we also want to find ways of connection.
0: Yep, absolutely. I love that. Um, so when we, if we're going to stick to the buzzword toxic, and how we, do we know when we're being toxic? Mm. You know, we spend so much time worrying about how others are going to treat us. I'm a big believer in really taking stock in what I put out because of the work that I've done. But if someone hasn't done that work yet, when, when, where can they realize where they need to shift and what's so toxic about them in their relationship?
1: Mm -hmm. Yes. Going inwards. So again, that's shifting from blaming other people and saying it's always them and then going inwards and saying, what is this about me here? So what, what would that look like? How do you communicate things? How is it that you express yourself? So do you express yourself in a very critical way? Are you passive aggressive? That's hard. I mean, it's hard to be able to identify that because a lot of people, and here's the thing about this, this stuff is that a lot of people don't know when they're being critical or when they're being defensiveness defensive. I had this uh, reel on my Instagram space around examples of defensiveness. And I had so many comments from people saying, Oh, wow. I didn't know I was being so <laughs> defensive.
0: Yeah. yeah. So th-
1: that's important, right? So, how do I communicate myself? Are, am I going into where I'm focusing on the other person? Like, you never, you always? Am I being rejecting and dismissing? Am I invalidating somebody else? All of those things. Um, invalidation of like when someone says to you, uh, let's see, let's take an example. Someone says, well, I didn't like that you yelled at me last night for being late. And then you say, oh, well, maybe you just shouldn't show up late. You should be on time, right? Taking responsibility. It's so important in our relationships. What are those key things? Are you respecting other people? Do you take responsibility? Um, Are you showing up as you say that you would? Those key pieces in a relationship are important.
0: I'm curious what you would say
1: in terms of like, what are some of those toxic things that we need to
0: identify? for me, it's where, where are the emotions coming from? Right? Like for me, the the place where I healed most was realizing there's a function for every feeling and behavior. And is this feeling that I'm projecting onto my partner? First of all, is it worthy of this kind of reaction? And also, is it because of them? Right? Or am I like, I am now able to say, for example, I'm able to say to my husband, if I'm in a bad mood because I was triggered by something, right, honey, this is so not about you. Like, literally it's not you. It's me. I just want you to know you've done nothing wrong. That's something that my husband needs to hear because he is a people pleaser. Yeah. This has nothing to do with you, but that statement just reminded me of a time when I was really hurt in the past. And, you know, I'm able to point out, and I, I, I did enough of the work where I can Distinguish between my emotions and my feelings, and whether or not my partner did something worth being yelled at for. Whereas I see a lot of people who can't do that yet. Yeah. So I think for me, I mean, does that make sense? Like that? Yeah. yeah, That is where I've become far less toxic and where I've healed the most, is and also not expecting others to act in a certain way just because I need them to or or Mm. I think it would be better, you know, I'm a little Uh bit of a control freak as well. So
1: I, I hear you talking about our perceptions and assumptions that we make, right? And that sometimes people can get stuck in these unhelpful ways of viewing someone else that are often projections of ourselves. So, you know, taking things personally or only seeing the negative. One of the common ones I talk about is the cognitive bias where we believe that our partner is never there for us. And so we only then see the times when they are not available to us to provide support.
0: It's all about perspective. And, I mean, you the, the, the yeah. perspective, if you take in the relationship, I believe will ultimately define the outcome. And yes. if you choose to see the negative, your relationship will be a negative one.
1: I always like to give this like disclaimer here, and it's it's to say to the, to those who are listening, this is hard work it's not something that I mean for some they can listen to podcasts and do some reading and they get it right but for for many for most of us this is hard stuff that takes a lot of work and trying things over and over again I think that's important to recognize and so whoever like for those listening today take one piece from today and then start putting that into your life and seeing how could I be different here what could I do differently
0: I love that I think that's a a great way to sum it all up. I
1: I want to add in something that I've been talking about with my colleagues. And again, because we see a lot of these kind of gotcha type posts on social media, a lot of people are on Instagram, and that sometimes we lose the context. I think context is so important. So what I've been talking about with my colleagues recently is around intention and intentionality. And that sometimes a partner will say, well, look, see, he's gaslighting me again. And when we go into that, the partner is not actually gaslighting, but that the partner doesn't understand what it means to validate Mm -hmm. and empathize with their partner. So it's not ill-intentioned, it's not an intent to do harm, but rather they're missing information. And that we can help to to up
0: up level them with where we're at. That gaslighting is another buzzword. You know, just because somebody does not. Respond the way you need them to does not mean they're trying to hurt you. And I've learned that, you know, I I could say now as much as my ex husband did upset me in our marriage and does upset me now. None of that comes from ill intent. We're just so mismatched in our communication styles Uh and the way we perceive things that it feels like an attack when it's really not. It's it's more defense if nothing else.
1: Yeah, and that question of we're like, can we or were we able to work work it out? And people are not at times. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, this was a highly evolved relationship conversation, as I knew it would be, and I'm so grateful for it. So, if you were going to give one piece of advice to a mom moving on who is considering dating again, what would it be?
1: Hmm. Hmm, you didn't send me this question to prepare in advance. <laughs> I like the- uh, let's yeah, see. You know, it's more
0: authentic. <laughs> I,
1: I know. Oh, one piece of advice. Oh, I think I would go into the space of really building compassion for yourself. And just being kind to you. We are so hard on ourselves. We, we put high expectations on ourselves to show up, to do our best, to do more, and to recognize that the things that happened to you were not, were not because of you and that we all have our stories. And what we need to do instead is to understand those stories. And then we get to decide how can we move forward. And first, we need to have compassion for ourselves to say, I'm okay, I can accept that I struggle in this stuff. I'm learning these things about myself. And from there,
0: I think people can move forward. I love that. You guys, you you have to get on board with Dr. Tracy and all her work. So what do you have coming up? Any workshops that anyone can get involved in or spill it?
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, the place you can learn with me is my online program called Be Connected. Come follow me at Dr. or hit my website, drtracyd.com, and all of the information is there. And I also have several other webinars available if people are looking to work on their intimacy. I know many women struggle with their intimacy. Or also, I have a webinar on boundaries that's available on my website as well.
0: Yes, boundaries. Check it uh-huh. out. And you are on Instagram at Dr. Tracy Okay. If nothing else, run to her Instagram right now. It's one of the <laughs> places to be. Your videos are great, by the way. You mentioned um, you. one of your reels; they're fantastic. Everybody <laughs> listening, I hope you found this helpful. And if you have more questions, you can absolutely reach out to me or Dr. Tracy. I will link all of the information in show notes. Thank you so much for being here. And yeah, give yourself a little grace and compassion. We're all just learning as we go. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Moms Moving On.